It's good to be here. Um, a little bit about ourselves. Um, I was born and raised in New Jersey, and my wife was made in Japan. <laughs> and we met in Chicago <laughs> at Moody Bible Institute. And uh, we have four children, Jesse, Justin, Jonathan, and little Kiyomi, our daughter. And we're so happy to be here. Um, we know that there are differences between New Jersey and Wisconsin. There's like 80% less people here. <laughs> and it's wonderful. Um, you don't have any tolls. Uh, toll booths. In New Jersey, it's like every other like, uh, mile, you're paying a toll. You pay to get on, you pay to get off, you pay while you're on. So this is wonderful. I, you can actually drive for free here. <laughs> and it's nice. I love that. I um, heard a joke about Wisconsin. They, I read it on the internet. It said that um, you know you're from Wisconsin if you get your snowblower stuck on your roof. <laughs> and we came here going, expecting a ton of snow, and then we heard that this was a very mild winter. So, uh, but it's a lot more snow than we're used to. Well, I, um, back in 1990, um, 89, 88, something like that, I was in a speed metal band, a heavy metal drummer. And I have a picture of that back then. <laughs> and through some circumstances, I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Went to Moody Bible Institute, got my hair cut first. And then went to Moody Bible Institute. They let me in and uh, learned about the Word of God. Uh, met my wife there. Went to Capitol Bible Seminary in Atlanta, Maryland, and then uh, started pastoring a church in New Jersey for about seven years. And then God started tugging on my heart to go into church planting, to start a church for people like this. And from what I understand, there are many people around here that have that metal background. They're in that scene, and they're waiting to be born again. They just don't know it. I didn't know it. That was a costume I wore, and beyond that was a heart that wanted Jesus, but I didn't know it. And so I'm trying not to let the external appearance stop me from trying to reach somebody for Jesus because I knew that's what I was like, and somebody cared enough to tell me. So I'm saying, I want to devote my life to this. I want to reach these kids for Jesus. So I'm hoping to get that started soon. We're in the support raising phase now, so I'm going to be going out to New Jersey to visit some friends and churches and spend a month out there just communicating the vision that we have, and we're excited about it and see what God does with that. Um, my wife, I said, was uh, born in Japan, and uh, we had come out here to check out Wausau back in March to see if this is where God would have us. And while we were here, that's when we got the news on uh, television that her country, Japan, was hit with that earthquake and tsunami. And her parents and relatives live in Japan, and thank God they were unaffected by that. But at the same time, it was devastating to watch. Here are some pictures here that I got off the Internet just from uh, that devastation. You can see what water. By the way, we were at the Grand Lodge inside there where they have that water park, and we were enjoying the water. And then we hear this, what water can do to somebody else in a different way. If we can go ahead and scroll through those. Yeah, it's just amazing to see what has happened total devastation, total destruction. One day everything is fine. The next few moments, this is what you get. Total destruction. I have a question for you this morning. If, if you lost everything, could you still be content? If you lost everything that you have, could you still be content? Well, I hope to share from the Word of God this morning, how to be content in every and any situation. 
Would you like that, to be content in every and any situation that comes along? I think the Word of God can tell us how to do that. There are four keys I'd like to to look at. The four keys to contentment. If you look at Philippians chapter 4 with me, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. If you're using the, the church Bible, it's on page 1164, 1164. And uh, we're going to uh, look at those verses, and I will read them out loud for you. And if you could follow along, that would be wonderful. So 1164, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. The Apostle Paul's writing, and he says this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Verse 12. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Apostle Paul, writing these words. Can we pray just for a second? Lord Jesus, we come to you because you are the power for contentment. You are the source of contentment. It is in you that we find our foundation for all of life. I pray, Lord, as we look into these four keys to contentment, that you would speak to us in our individual lives, wherever we are in life, and bring us to where you want us to be. Reveal yourself to us in a special way this morning, that we would never, uh, we would leave here, and changed forever. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, let's get started. The first key to contentment I'd like to look at is that we need to learn and understand and accept the fact that contentment does not come from our situations. Contentment does not come from our situations. Now, uh, I know that there is a difference between contentment and happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. For example, if you get a brand new car, you're happy. If your car is wrecked, you're not happy. It changes with the situation. And, and if you're relying on those situations, those kinds of things, whether it's a, a career, a relationship, money, a stability, security, you're relying on those things for contentment, guess what? You're not going to be very content because those things shift and change all the time. You're going to be trying to catch up to it, and you'll not be able to do that. Well, the Apostle Paul himself is writing this letter to a church in a place called Philippi, which is in Macedonia. It's above Greece. And he's writing this, and he's writing through uh, these chapters. You'll notice certain words coming up like rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Be joyful. Ironically, he's writing this from a Roman prison to free people in their church and telling them to be joyful. It's known as the letter of joy. And in verse 10... This is what he says. Now, by the way, he um, is also uh, in this prison, and he has to pay for his own rented quarters. I mean, the government's not going to just sit him up and put him there for free. He's in prison for being a Christian, and he's got to pay his way. And we learn that at the end of the book of Acts. And so the Philippian church is sending money to him to keep him there, in the sense of, uh, not to keep him there, that would be bad, but uh, to, to help him not get into more trouble. And the amazing thing is, this church was extremely poor, but very, very generous. 
And so they gave to God's kingdom. They gave to his ministry, and God was using the Apostle Paul in prison. So he's writing this letter to thank them as well. In verse 10, he says, I rejoice greatly in who? The Lord. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. They were helping him at one point, and something happened where they couldn't help him anymore. And so they renewed that commitment again and began to help him again. And so he's excited about that too. He says, indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. In other words, if you send the gift, great. If you don't, I'm still content because my rejoicing is in the Lord, not in my situations. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Can you say that about yourself? Some may say, you know what? I don't have to have a lot. I think I keep hitting this or something's happening. (laughs) That I have a job in this economy and I have income and I don't need anything else. I'm content. But what if you lose your job? Can you still be content? Some say, well, you know what? I have a great marriage. What if your marriage falls apart? Can you still be content? What if, uh, you know, you're a person that says, you know, I'm, I'm a healthy person. I've been healthy all my life. I've got my health. What if your health fails? Others say, I have a great church, Bethany Baptist Church. I love this church. I love the people. Well, what if the church lets you down from time to time? And there's miscommunications and pain that happens. What if Pastor Kim and Pastor Casey cannot meet your expectations all the time? They're human beings. It's going to happen inevitably. Can you still be content? That's the question. Now, what happens when we're faced with a difficult situation and and, and it's something that's really annoying, especially? Difficult person or a situation that you just feel you're totally controlled by. We tend to do what when we get in those situations? We complain. Complain. I'm going to read a verse to you that's going to probably shock you. It's in chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 14. It's back one page, chapter 2, verse 14. This is God's command to us through the Apostle Paul. Listen to this. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Everything without complaining or arguing. You know, I like to stick with the thou shall not kill because I can keep that one. That one's easy. But do not complain. I'm from New Jersey. That's impossible. (laughs) It's kind of a prerequisite for living there. You got to be like intense. So (laughs) do not complain. I remember it was a year ago that I had uh, bronchitis. And I had this cough that wouldn't go away. And I went to the doctor, and he gave me some medicine. And so, I, I, like I always do, I look at all the side effects before I take it. So I s- sat down for a half hour and uh, read all the side effects. And I brought them here for you so you could, uh, you could see it. Let me read them to you. If I were to take this drug for my bronchitis, I could get abnormal taste, diarrhea, headache, indigestion, nausea, stomach discomfort, vomiting, irregular heartbeats, tooth discoloration, a rash, hives, itching, difficulty breathing, tightness in the chest, swelling of the mouth, face, lips, or tongue, kidney failure, bleeding, confusion, depression, emotional or mood changes, hallucinations, nightmares, severe diarrhea, severe stomach pain, insomnia, hearing loss, 
anxiety, convulsions, depersonalization, disorientation, manic behavior, psychosis, and vertigo. I just want my cough to go away. <laughs> I read that and I'm going, I don't know if I want to take this. And I started to complain out loud. And then I read at the bottom of this list, it says, this is not a complete list of all possible side effects that may occur. Whoa. <laughs> I got so upset, I'm walking around my bedroom and just complaining out loud, coughing or internal bleeding. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and I felt like, you know, I need to write a letter to the drug company and, you know, complain to them and say, you know, look, you spent millions of dollars and many years developing this drug. And this is the best you can do? Come on. So complaining, you know, I wasn't content in my situation, so I started to complain. And that wasn't good for me. It wasn't honoring God. It wasn't making anybody in the house happy. And uh, so if you're relying on your situation to bring contentment, you probably have a better chance of replacing Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback for the Packers because that's impossible. It's impossible. So the first key to contentment is to understand and accept the fact that our contentment does not come from our situations. The second key to contentment is that we need to understand and accept the fact that contentment comes through a process. We don't like process because it's too slow, at least for me. Very slow. It takes a long time. You know, we want things quick, fast, now. We have microwaves, instant coffee. We have fast food restaurants. And you know what? You don't even have to get out of your car. You can go through the drive-thru, you know? And you get up to that window, and if they don't have your meal in like 45 seconds, they put you in a little parking space. So you can get out of the way of everybody else who wants their food fast. So we want things quickly. The Apostle Paul is telling us in this passage that it's a process. It needs to be learned contentment. Look at verse 11. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So he learned it. That's a word for process. It takes time, so you have to give yourself a break <laughs> and try to work with the process, not escape the process. The word learn there is linked to the word disciple, which is one who learns and follows a teacher. Let your situations teach you how to be content and get your strength from the Lord throughout this. This is very, very important. Process, process. Well, the Apostle Paul learned this process. Do you know how he learned it? Through lots of trials and pain. I mean, because it's easy to be happy when things are going well, right? Look at this verse up here. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 28. This is what happened to the Apostle Paul in his ministry. And if you read this, you probably say, boy, the Lord is against this guy. He's not doing the Lord's will. Or if the Lord loves him, why did he put him through this? He says this, Five times I have received the, at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. So he was whipped 39 times at five separate times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from... I can't see that word. 
uh, okay, Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness. Uh, okay, I'm going to read it from my notes. It's a little bit too far for me. Danger in the wilderness. Uh, right here. Danger at sea. Danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night. In hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. He learned contentment because he went through a whole lot. The thing is, he didn't deny this. He didn't question God, I don't think. He pretty much said, look, you know, this is ministry. This is the way it is. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be persecuted. Isn't it my Lord who said, hey, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So he understood that. He understood that teaching. The thing is, the Apostle Paul didn't ignore the problems. He didn't put on the plastic Christian smile and acted like everything was fine. No, he admitted it. But he did not let his situations control him, steal his contentment. He learned through a process to be content in all situations. Now, if you're an impatient person, you'll probably find yourselves stuck behind somebody driving very slowly. You probably are in the longest line going very slowly at the grocery store. And that's all because God loves you. <laughs> He's putting you through a process. God is big on process. He could give you the product. He can do that. But he wants process because that's where he digs into your heart. He digs into your soul and he brings up all this stuff to the surface. He says, I want you to deal with that. I want you to be clean of that so I can use you even better. We got to go through the process. Don't run from it. Use it to learn contentment. So the assignment for this week for you is when you go to the grocery store, do not get in the shortest line. Purposely get in the longest line. If you really want to grow in your faith, get behind somebody with coupons. <laughs> That'll work on you. That'll work on you. So the second key to contentment is that it is a process. The third key to contentment is that contentment comes through the power of Christ. In verse 13, Paul says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. What's the context of this passage? Contentment. This verse is in the context of contentment. He can do everything. That doesn't mean everything, anything, like jump, jump off a bridge and then God will save him because he's strengthening him. He's not going to fly. But what he means is, I can be content in everything because it is Christ. It is the Lord who gives me strength to do so. Now, I've seen uh, a lot of people misuse this verse and... Uh, I even read about a Christian weightlifting team that uses verse for their, for their team. You know, to say, you know, look, it is God who strengthens me. It is Christ who strengthens me to be able to do this. I can do all things. That's why I can lift 800 pounds. And, you know, and, and that's not what it means. So it's not everything, everything. It's everything within the context. He can be content in everything because it is the Lord who strengthens him. It is the Lord who strengthens him. Do you remember the Apostle Paul? He had all these visions. He had all these uh, amazing uh, experiences with God. He was even caught up to the third heaven, saw things he couldn't even put into words. It was just incredible. And in order to keep him humble and not proud, he was given a thorn in his side. Not a literal thorn, but something to keep him humble. You know, God is loving, and he'll do that. He'll give us something in our lives to keep us humble and depending on him. So that's a good thing. The Apostle Paul, it says that he begged God to take it away three times. Well, you know what that thorn was? It says that a messenger of Satan was given to me. 
to keep me humble. Well, God wants them to be humble, not Satan. Satan wants them to be filled with pride. So it was God who gave him this messenger of Satan. Messenger is the word angelos or angel, angel of Satan, a fallen angel, a demon. He had a demon with him where he went to keep him humble as he had these amazing experiences. That's incredible stuff. And he said, God, take it away from me. I don't want it. And what did God say? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, he said, But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And the world looks at him and goes, this guy's nuts. You, you like to be insulted? You like persecutions and calamities? You like being weak? No. But if that means that Christ's power is made perfect in me, yes, I do. I want to see that. See, you know, in New Jersey, while we were there, I was trying to get a job here in Wausau uh, before we moved because when you're starting a church, you don't have any people and no money. So you need a job. For a year in New Jersey, I tried to find a job here and it wasn't working. Uh, and so, so what happened was uh, I, I tried to, um, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but this whole idea of uh, just trusting the Lord, moving forward, and it was, it was a painful thing. But we saw God, because we we're in such dependence on him, work in amazing ways. Because we were out there going, okay, we're very weak, God. Be strong. Be our strength. And he was our strength. In fact, we're going to see a promise that he gives, uh, the Lord gives to all of us who follow him. And uh, we're going to see that that's the fourth key to contentment. So the first key to contentment is that our contentment does not come from our situations. The second key is that it comes through a process. The third key to contentment is that contentment comes through the power of Christ. And the last and fourth key to contentment is that contentment comes through God's promises. And that is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. You can turn there if you'd like. The context here is Jesus is speaking. He's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever given from chapters 5, 6, and 7. And he's preaching to people who are worried and concerned and stressed out about money and about life and about needs. And they were so fixated on that, he talked about anxiousness and worry. And what he says, he says in verses 31 through 33... He says this. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Notice that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What are these, these things? These things are the needs. Food, drink, clothing, whatever you need, you will get. I will take care of you. But first, seek my kingdom and my righteousness. When you make decisions in life, is it based on his righteousness? Or are you building your own kingdom and trying to protect it? Because realize, we're, we're not here for ourselves. We're here for him. We were created for him and his glory. 
And so the best kind of life to live is when it's in cooperation with his will. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Now, getting back to this idea of uh, coming to New, from New Jersey to Wisconsin, uh, it's pretty interesting because, uh, as I was saying, I was trying to find a job, and I couldn't find one. And uh, it was pretty uh, intense. And we were worried that we weren't going to be able to get here. And uh, it took about a year before we got this. <laughs> you know, because I said to my wife, Michko, look, you know, I, I'm, the way I am is that you set everything up ahead of time. I was always told that you don't quit one job until you have the next one. So I was pastoring New Jersey for seven years, and, um, and, and, and so I have to set up this job in, in Wausau area, find a place to live, have health insurance, retirement, then, then you quit. Well, what Jesus says here tells me to do the opposite. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then I will add these things to you. And oh, man, that's uncomfortable. That's, that's scary. That's a big question mark. It's risky. But it came down to this. Do I believe in God's promises? Do I trust him? And, and it was really hard because, uh, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I was confronted with this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then I will add these things to you. I have a little box here. A little box here that uh, we put on the front of it. It says, God will provide. Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33. And uh, what we did was we take a piece of paper and we put on their job or uh, income or whatever it was that we were struggling with and we put it in the box. So I, I suggest you do this. This is really, really great to do. Get a box and put that on the God will provide Matthew 6, 31 through 33. And whatever your situation is, whatever you're worried about, concerned about, put it on a piece of paper and put it in there and forget about it. Pray about it, but don't let it keep you up at night. Don't stress over it. Don't complain about it. His promises. He'll take care of us. But you've got to be seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. Good motives. Righteous motives and what you want and what you desire to do. Put it in there. Forget about it. Then if you start to worry, you start to stress out, you have to go back to that box. Find that piece of paper. Take it out. And hold on to it and keep it to yourself. This is a tangible way, way of saying, God, I do not trust you. I don't believe you're going to pull through for me. I don't believe your promises. And hopefully that act will make us so uncomfortable that we'll put it back. Because that's what we're really doing when we say that and think that. We're saying, I don't trust you. I, I'm, I'm not going to take that risk. It's too, too risky. It's too scary. So my, I said to my wife, we have to go. We need to leave. We need to come here. Because I started to feel more uncomfortable staying in New Jersey with the job, with the income, with the insurance. Because God was saying, go, go, go. I will take care of you. Don't you trust me? And so I said, okay, we're going. And so we came here. We spent all our money getting here. <laughs> Didn't know what was going to happen. And God, like two months later, provided a job for me. Out of the blue, somebody just offered a job. And it's a job that's very flexible, where I can do ministry at the same time, they're understanding. And I'm like, well, God, you, you took care of everything. I suggest that you do things like that. Take a step of faith that he's calling you to do. Don't resist him because he will bless you. Don't be afraid of him. Don't be afraid of his will. His will is perfect. And you will be content. You will find contentment in his promises. In conclusion, contentment does not come from our situations. Contentment comes through a process, the second key. The third key is that contentment comes through the power of Christ and that contentment comes through God's promises.
You put these four keys on your spiritual key ring, you're going to have contentment in every and any situation. And God's going to blow you away with that. Check them out on it. Try it. Why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we are um, uh, just um, people who are trying to make it in this world and trying to do your will and struggling with the flesh and desires and decisions and people. And, it's, and, and Lord, we just think about our life as just a blip on the screen of eternity. And uh, Lord, I pray we don't spend so much time building our own kingdom and worrying about ourselves, but enjoying you. We want true contentment in every and any situation. Help us to hang in there and to go through the process and learn contentment. Help us to realize that we cannot depend on that perfect relationship or that situation to bring contentment because it won't. Only you do. You are the strength. You are the source of our contentment. And if we try to live life apart from you, it's going to be less than what we desire, far less. We will not find contentment. And I pray, God, for our people here, our brothers and sisters in Christ, that, Lord, they would take that step of faith. They would trust your promises that you will provide. You are trustworthy, Lord. You came, you died on that cross for our sins. You rose from the dead, not just to do some miracles before a watching world, but you did it to change us, not to be mediocre, not to be the same as we were yesterday, but to change us so that when we come at the end of our lives, God, we look back, we don't regret it. May we repent of our sins if we need to do that now to get right with you. And if there's anyone here this morning, Lord, that still hasn't come to faith in Jesus, they need to do that. I pray that your spirit would show them that you are trustworthy, you're loving, you're forgiving, and you're willing to clean them up and give them a new life. Help them to make that step. And I pray for us as the body of Christ that we would surround them with love, discipling them, teaching them, and sending them out to reach others. So we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.